Welcome to the Pastor's Roundtable Podcast, a podcast where we pull apart and deconstruct the habits, routines, and tactics of the great men and women of faith. Drastically changed my life. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here is your host, Ryan Latham. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to uh, this episode. We're going to be talking about healthy churches. We're going to be talking about growing churches. We're talking about how you can develop your volunteers and uh, putting together some systems for you to break some of those growth uh, numbers. Now, I know there's uh, some some big ones out there. Uh, You know, 200 is kind of like the big one that a lot of people talk about. But 500 is also a huge one. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today is kind of those 200, 500 growth numbers to get you there. Now, obviously, if you're a church, uh, you know, of a thousand, thousand plus, a lot of these same principles are going to be helping you out. And um, but today we're going to be focusing on some of those churches, you know, 200, 500, some of those would love for you guys to write in your comments some questions for us about how to growth, what, you know, what have you tried? Maybe hasn't worked or some of the blocks that you are facing up. So leave a comment below. We'll try to get to some questions as we're going along. But uh, want to introduce my guest today, uh, Pastor Ariel. He's, he's going to be uh, talking to us about a boot camp that he has coming up next week. You guys can sign up, get more information in the description uh, below. Uh, you can go to renewleadership.org slash 500. That's the numbers 500. And you guys can go to his website where you can see all of the information, topics that he's going to be talking about over the next five days, um, and even testimonies and things like that. So let's jump right in, man. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, why don't you take a, uh, just kind of 30 seconds here and just introduce yourself to us Tell us just a little bit about yourself, and then we'll dive into the topic today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, thank you for having me on, by the way. Uh, so Pastor Ariel, I'm a former discipleship pastor of a church of 4,000 members in New York City. And uh, one of the things that I've been doing in the last couple of, really the last two or three years, is working really hard to help churches turn first-time guests and turn uh, people who are new to the church and to engage members in identifying what that process is and you know how to how to grow your church by creating healthy behaviors and healthy systems because uh, one of the things that I've identified real quickly is that when you're a small church you can easily make the church about just you doing all of the work you doing all of the ministry and get to a place where it's unhealthy and sacrificing family for ministry and it becomes very overwhelming and so in your pursuit of trying to seek growth, uh, what you've got to be able to do is get to a place where you can develop good, healthy habits. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of a bit of a synopsis of me. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I love that. So good. So, uh, okay. So you've got a boot camp coming up next week. That's uh, October 19th. Uh, it's a five day boot camp, right? And uh, actually, well, I saw on the website there, uh, there's actually a bonus day on there, uh, kind of a, a six day. And so we'd love for you just to kind of high level, give us a kind of a big picture. What is this boot camp 
going to be talking about? Um, kind of what can they expect over the next five days, next week? Yeah, so so we called it uh, uh, the Breaking 500 Challenge. Uh, part of what we've kind of identified is the fact that, again, as churches are, as, as pastors are kind of leading churches, they find themselves in a place where they're overwhelmed. Right? They're, they're, they're tired. Even, even in the season with COVID, um, pastors who were accustomed to preaching face-to-face now had to figure out online. And, and many volunteers, when they, when they had volunteers, now they're volunteers, you know, are, are in hibernation per se or in quarantine. And how, how do we lead in this season and what do we do? And so in the middle of all this, we put this challenge together. So day one, we're going to talk a little bit about clarity. And we, we, the reason clarity is so important is because when you're not clear on the mission that God has given you, you, you find yourself in this rotation of events. So it's maybe it's this event that's going to be the great event. Maybe this event is going to push things over for us. Realizing that um, the busyness is not doesn't necessarily equate to progress. And so we find ourselves busy doing a ton of stuff. And then day two, we're going to talk a little bit about what we call a ministry scoreboard. And this is this is kind of unique and, and different. And, and uh, but whenever I communicate or talk about it, what I always think of is when I was first, maybe about 10, about 20 years ago, when I was first dating my wife and there wasn't no such thing as GPS. And what would happen is we'd, we'd jump into the car and I'd get, you know, I'd be looking into her eyes and and miss my exit and then drive for another 30 minutes and then have to turn around and drive back in the 30 minutes and then end up about an hour late to our destination. And it's because we didn't have a way of measuring our progress. So we didn't know if we were going in the wrong direction or not. And so many churches at times, they're doing stuff, but they're doing the wrong stuff. And it's not necessarily getting the results that they're hoping for. And so instead we we look for a scoreboard to help people identify, are you heading in the right direction? How can you make adjustments to make sure that you're staying on mission? your team and the volunteers under you are on mission. And then day three, we talk about a core team because I I believe, and I've heard this said, I think John Maxwell said this, uh, one is too insignificant of a number to accomplish anything of significance. And so what we do is we talk a little bit about how do you build a core team? How do you build a team around you who can help you lead and help you make decisions, help you execute the decisions so you're not doing ministry by yourself? Then day four, we talk a little bit about um, what we call the all to the elder method of developing leaders. And this really came uh, from a season in my life and a friend of mine's life. We were both uh, pastors on, in the same department and we had launched a campus. And so me and it was a Spanish campus and we were the only ones who spoke Spanish in addition to the campus pastors. So we were going back and forth and forth and back and kind of became really tired and realized what we need is we, we need, we didn't just need more people a lot of times what we think the answer is, well, if I just have more volunteers, you needed, we needed more of the right people. And we didn't have a funnel or a process for developing leaders. You know, it's sort of like, you know, I know right now we're about to start the World Series and you, you've got people in the majors, but you also have those developing in the minors. And you've got leaders who are developing in this pipeline that one day can help you. And then day five, we talk about six mistakes that stunt growth and some of the things that we might be doing not realizing that it's actually holding things back. Um, so that's kind of a synopsis of it. That's great. I know that, uh, you know, so many people are talking about growth, um, talking about 
how do we get prepared? And so what about the leaders that are kind of saying, man, it's COVID right now. Why, why is it important to focus in on growth right now? So, I mean, what, why is now that a good time to, to dive into this boot camp? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so I think, I think one of the things that we've got to remember is that the mission has not changed just because COVID came, it doesn't negate the mission. And in addition to that, I think because of COVID, there's even a, a higher sense of desperation. Um, there's a higher sense of a need of how do we reach people? People are, people are hurting, people are scared, people are broken, and the church is supposed to be the light. And so more than ever before, instead of us, the pastors, uh, living in fear or worry, we should have a clarity of mind as to what our current mission is in this season. And, and for that reason alone, I feel like it's one of the most important uh, catalysts for the church. I mean, you, you see this in the book of Acts, right? Whenever uh, God wants to move in, in a mighty way, that you, you start to see uh, uh, challenges to the church, right? He, you know, Saul starts uh, persecuting the church, and all of a sudden, the church goes beyond the walls of Jerusalem. There's growth that happens as a result of challenges and God uses challenges all the time. And so this is another season of challenge that I believe that God is using to really uh, cause the church to awaken and to step into all that God has called it to be. And so, yeah, it's one of those opportunities to really turn a, a, a opposition into an opportunity for growth. Yeah. I, I mean, I, when I think about this season, um, for me, I think that so many people are kind of hitting restart or refresh on so many of their programs, the way they do things. And so to me, I feel like um, if you're going to hit refresh, hit reprogram, you might as well like upgrade your operating system at the same time. You know what I mean? It's like you might as well go from something that was good to something that's even newer and fresher. And so I just think that a lot of people – um, are coming back to church with a, a fresh eyes um, as mm -hmm. to, okay, they're kind of expecting, you know, it's almost like um, they're, I, I just think when people are going to come back to church, they're a little bit more open or receptive to like new ideas and to say, well, hey, let's try this, right? And, uh, you know, I've always said this, that COVID is always a great escape code right now. So like if you try some mm -hmm. stuff and it doesn't work, Oh man, that was just a COVID thing. We're we're gonna move yeah. on. You know what I mean? So you yeah. can almost just blame it on COVID. You know what I mean? And so, but I, I just think that so many people right now are, um, you know, just much more open to new ideas um, and and willing to try something new, um, and and they're much more, in my opinion, what I'm kind of seeing too is just people are much more aware that like, hey, probably things that we did before might not make it into this new season. And so maybe yeah. some of those assimilation processes or some of those uh, ways that you did things may not, or now could be a good time to change those. And people are just like, I don't know. I mean, after seven months, eight months of being in church, they might probably even forgot what the old assimilation process was like anyway. So now it's like, oh yeah, I guess this is what we do. you know. And so I just think that Right yeah. now, people are so uh, shaken up that um, they're just kind of uh, available. So, I mean, I don't know. That's why I think that right now is a great time to be thinking about this. Um, plus, uh, for a lot of churches that haven't really fully opened up back, um, this gives you some time to really meet with your team behind the scenes and get some things organized, get some things strategized and planned out before you really do initiate. Because I know 
um, especially like in California and Oregon and Washington, a lot of those states, they're just now meeting outdoors or maybe, I mean, even in a lot of states, it's still pretty limited. I mean, you're 40%, 50% back. And so I just yeah. think right now is a great time to maybe not start implementing everything, but at, at least get the ball going and to begin thinking about it and implementing some of the things that you guys begin to talk about in this boot camp. And so um, yeah. I love, love what you guys are talking about. So, Let's give us just a little bit of a sneak peek. Why don't you take one of those, uh, one of those days? Just give us a little sneak peek. Give us a little bit of uh, kind of uh, stories, a little bit of the content. Not obviously not everything, but just give us a little bit of uh, of the information there. Yeah. So so day one, uh, one of the things that we we do in the desire to create clarity, uh, we we present three questions, and these are three questions that are that are geared towards helping you gain clarity because here's the problem right if there's there's a lack of clarity in the top you know by the time you get down to the bottom there the gap between clarity is so far so wide and so one of those questions that we ask is how should we behave and so the question how should we behave um what we do is we we walk people through a simple process we'll say in order to identify how we should behave, which really answers the question, what are our leadership values? So when we're looking at leaders, how do we want our leaders to be operating? And so we'll, a quick way to do that is identify your top five leaders, your top five favorite leaders, write them down, their names down on a piece of paper, and then begin to just um, identify what are the reasons that you love working with them. So let's say there's some leaders that you say, I love working with them because they are um, bold. Maybe I've got some other leaders that are passionate about the mission. And then you start to look at what are the common reasons? And as you look through the common reasons, you're going to start to pull out, okay, three out of five people, I love working with them because they're mission-minded. Two out of the five people, I love working with them because they're full of joy. And those become your actual leadership values. You take those leadership values and that's part of what you start to train other people on. So when you've got new people coming to the building, you want to make sure, or new people that are rising up the ranks, now you've got an actual process for developing the kind of leaders you want to see in your church. And all of that stems from gaining clarity around the one question, how do we behave? Yeah, I love that. I know on the, the flip side, one thing that I've asked people to um, is who doesn't work here, right? Like mm -hmm. what? what doesn't work right and so maybe maybe for some of you guys um when you're asking that question of you know what does work maybe it might help you to think about what hasn't worked you know because sometimes it's easier to think about man oh man i remember that guy <laughs> you know what i mean that guy we we yeah. could, you know that, that this didn't work and so i think sometimes finding what does work sometimes it helps starting with what doesn't work and then kind of moving your way towards what does work um so and that's great go ahead yeah. Whenever, whenever we we've done uh, any kind of coaching, like with one-on-one, -on -one, we'll, we'll actually that that'll be part of the process um, where we look at the inverse because uh, mm -hmm. a lot of times you you know you're you know what you're you may know what you're not for um, or you may know what you're for but you're not clear on what you're not for. But taking the two now gives you clarity as to okay, this is how we want our leaders to operate, and if you're clear on that, then you can trust them. 
you know, and that's that's one of the key findings is that when when you can identify how you want people to behave and then they're able to behave in that area. So they follow these values and you can take a step back. You don't have to babysit because now, man, I can trust this guy. I can trust him to make decisions. I can trust him to lead because he's going to operate within what we call freedom within a framework. As long as you operate within the framework, you've got freedom to make decisions. You've got freedom to lead. And now that gives you the opportunity as a leader, as a senior pastor, now you don't have to be involved in everything. And it gives you a little bit of a breather because you know you've got someone in that area you can trust. Yeah, so good. So when you're working with leaders, um, what are some of the blocks that you see to growth, right? Um, you know, as you're trying to break through the 200 mark, you're trying to break through the 500 mark, the 1,000 mark, right? What are some of those big, typical roadblocks that they're facing? Yeah, so so um, churches between maybe 50 and about 70, 80, one of the things that I've seen a lot is um, they're very family oriented or inward oriented. And so what that does is when the outsider comes in, he still feels like an outsider and versus becoming. So that transition to be able to break, for example, 100 begins with we've got to be able to rearrange uh, our, our perspective. So now we're a community church. We're not just an inward focused church. And how do we reach the community? How do we understand the community? Um, and then as you're starting to grow and kind of reach that 200, 300, one of the challenges there is that when you're when you're over about 100, 150, you've got systems. You've got some semblance of systems. But those systems don't necessarily talk to one another. So the marriage ministry is over here. Small groups are over there. Discipleship is over there. And so... One of the best things to do in that time is to start to create a core team where everyone begins to work as one team, as opposed to you as a pastor meeting with individual teams. So we kind of, or we call that organizing for growth. So we organize the ministry in such a way, because at the end of the day, there's, you've got a hundred different discipleship ministries, but either you're a man or a woman, you're single or married. So you fall in one of those four categories, why don't we get the marriage ministry and small groups to work together? Why don't we get the prison ministry and small groups or marriage? You've, you've got all these entities that are fighting for personnel and space and budget. And so getting, being, get, getting them all to be able to organize and align, and there's power behind alignment. When we're all operating as one team versus, you know, it's the difference between basketball and team golf. You know, team golf is, Everyone plays their own game, and then we add up the score. Where team basketball, it's like, hey, we've got to trust each other. When I pass the ball, you got to be there because we're one team. And and so that's that's kind of that area. Then when we, we get to about the 500 range, hopefully at that point you've got some pretty good systems going. But what we need is a pipeline because in order for there to be an increase of growth, you've got to have more shoulders, more people that can really carry the weight of the ministry. And so that's where you've got to have what we kind of call like that minor league system, you know, where you've got a, a place to incubate new leaders. And, and so one of the things that we kind of walk through is this process for how do you take someone who is uh, maybe a passionate attendee, they keep coming, and over years, they can become what we call an elder. 
And that, that's a process we call from altar to elder, where we take four steps. You know, how do you go from a passionate attendee to an engaged member, an engaged member to now a leader, mm. a leader, ministry leader, and then a ministry leader to an elder or a pastor. And of course, not everyone's going to be a pastor, but having a process so that way those individuals who raise their hand says, hey, I feel like God's, God's calling on my life. Awesome. Now we have a process to develop you and to grow you. Yeah, so good. Um, so good. I, I know that uh, on one of our podcasts, I interviewed a pastor who um, was at those early stages, and he talked about, um, you know, that family approach, that that was huge for him. Like when he when they were, you know, around 100, everyone expected for him to show up to the hospital, right, yeah. for everything. Every birthday party, quinceanera, um, graduation, stub my toe, what you know, it he he was expected to be at all of those, right? And so, and then what he talked about was what he, we had to begin to release some of those and say, okay, someone else is going to visit you. Um, and then another big one for him, um, was talking about how they went from one service to two services. And yeah. how all of a sudden that yeah. family feel all of a sudden it's like not everybody is in one service at one time. And so yeah. that was a huge, I mean, even for him, because he's, you know, this is a small church in Oklahoma and, uh, you know, it's a community, you know, the, the city runs more like a small group, you know, almost. Um, and so it was hard for him even personally to be like, oh man, like not everybody's in the same room. And so he said that like, even for him, he had to, learn how to overcome that and say, okay, well, I got to break through that in order to get to where we want to go and to reach more yeah. people. Um, and so, so many things inside himself um, had to even change. And so let me ask you this, for this boot camp, is this only for lead pastors or would you suggest that even like a youth pastor, something like that, somebody like that could join and get a lot of principles that will translate into like another youth ministry or is this really des designed for just the lead pastor? No, I, I, this is, I think this is perfect for anyone who's leading at a high level. So if you're, you're leading a youth ministry, you're leading a worship team, if you're leading a team, there's going to be plenty of principles you can kind of pull out and, and utilize. So uh, there might be some some specific examples that might be oriented towards the senior pastor. Uh, but the great thing is, is that, you know, there, there's going to be an opportunity to take questions and you can kind of jump on and just ask, well, you know, how do I apply some of this stuff specifically to my context? Yeah, I, I'd find that, you know, my background has been mostly in youth ministry and I've taken you've got, been a part of these kind of programs. And, you know, you're going to use the term altar, you know, or, or elder, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and so but that obviously in youth ministry, typically you're not using the word elder. Right. You know, but, you yeah. know, so just using the different phrases, terms, that kind of thing. But the principles translate into youth ministry because you're, literally what you're talking about here is systems. You're talking yeah. about the way of organizing, communicating, breaking through some of those mindsets. And so um, I I'd love for you to just talk about some of those mindsets. I mean, there's there's a lot of just mindsets that that pastors have to go through, leaders have to go through. So talk to us, just encourage some of those maybe that have are reaching some of those mind blocks or, or roadblocks. Yeah. What do you some encouragement do you have for them? Yeah, so I, I think one of the major uh, roadblocks that I hear in terms of how we think, uh, how pastors think, 
is this idea that the uh, minister needs to do all of the ministry. Um, I remember talking with a, a church, a church about 70, a couple of years ago, and just kind of asking and saying, hey, well, where did this mindset come from? And they just kind of said, well, that was, that was a tradition that we were, you know, the tradition that we came out of. That church, the minister did, you know, the pastor did all the ministry. And then, you know, the church before them, the pastor did all the ministry. And, uh, you know, one of the things I challenge them with is in Ephesians 4, you know, it talks about how God has given, uh, you know, the fivefold ministry as a gift to the body, but it says specifically so that they can equip the body for works of service. So it doesn't necessarily say that they're, their primary responsibility is to do the works of service, it says to equip the body. And so when I think of that, I wonder how many of us as pastors, how would our ministries look differently if, if whenever we were doing anything, we did it with someone else by us? You know, maybe there was those two or three young people around us or, or those individuals who were passionate about the ministry who we kind of sense like man, maybe God's hand is on their life. And whenever we went to do a hospital visit, we brought them with us. Or we went to take on a project, we brought them with us. And then the second part of this is, I, I think there's a part where we got to just stop apologizing for giving people the opportunity to do the work of the Lord. You know, I, I hear it a lot of times. Well, they're just volunteers. I don't want them to feel stressed. And it's just like, no, 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 no. I get it. They are volunteers in the sense that they're not paid. But this is under the Lord. You know, there's, there's some kingdom stuff. And I think the second, the part to that is that there's purpose that God has deposited in every single individual. And so now when you, when you hold or when you withhold ministry from people, now they're not operating in their fullness and their calling and their purpose. And I, and I think now we're robbing, we're robbing the kingdom from their giftings and we're robbing them from the experience of serving the king. And that, that's where I feel like, okay, Let's let's make those opportunities, those those mental shifts, so that way others who um, you know, and, and let me say this, let me say this to that. The other part to this is that a lot of times the things that we we are looking for, the gift things that we're hoping to see in people, there's they're there, but they're in seed form. So they're 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 tiny. You can't you can barely see them. And our responsibility isn't to say, well, it's just a seed. We can't use it right now. It's actually to begin to water it so that God can begin to grow it. You know, I heard it. I heard it said this way. You know, God doesn't give us tables. He gives us trees. And then we take the trees and we make tables. Well, God doesn't always give us these high capacity leaders. Sometimes he gives us people who are, have a gift inside. And our job is to water them to see the growth. Yep. Yeah, and, and develop where you have as opposed to always looking for somebody else's, right? A lot of times we look and we say, man, if I just had those leaders or if I just had those and that person is typically looking back and saying, man, I didn't have those when I started, right? Like we had to cultivate those. We had to take we had to take yeah. those two or three that were were awesome and replicate those, right? And develop those and transform. So um, let's go back. I know there's a lot of people who have, um, started churches, uh, transitioned during this time, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, youth pastors, lead pastors, discipleship pastors, there's been a lot of um, transition over the last six, seven months during this COVID season. Again, it's kind of a restart period. So what do you, what are some of those first things that you would encourage a new leader to do when they first get in there, 
they're kind of reestablishing or looking at what are some of those first things that you'd say, hey, here's some of the things you got to be looking at. Um, focus in on these couple areas, grab this information, grab this data, meet with these people. What are some of those first steps that you'd suggest to a brand new leader coming into a situation? Yeah, so so I think I think the first thing that's, that's important as a leader is to be able to begin to gain some level of clarity. And, and what I mean by clarity is, why is it that God is giving me a burden around this situation? What is it that God wants to accomplish through this situation? And, and the moment we gain clarity, then we can start to gain alignment, right? So, so alignment is really just meaning we're, we're getting everybody circled around one purpose, one direction, one you know area. And um, a couple of years ago, I had taken my son to a, we went to some restaurant, he was like five or six. He dropped his toy, picked it up, bumped his head, took him to our cardiologist, I mean, not a card, our um, chiropractor. And the chiropractor said to me, hey, anytime he bumps his head, bring him in immediately. And I said, well, why? What's the purpose behind it? And she said, well, whenever, whenever he bumps his head, there's a misalignment in his cranium. Whenever his cranium is misaligned, it impacts his immune system. So whenever there's misalignment, he's susceptible to all kinds of sicknesses. And then when I heard that, it just hit me. Said, well, the same thing happens in leadership. Whenever there's misalignment, um, now we become susceptible to maybe pride or our own way of thinking, our own agendas. And so I think the first thing is gain clarity. The second is let's gain alignment. The third is I think as a leader, we've got to understand that everyone has passions and everyone has a, a what I would call a built-in mission or a built-in calling. And our responsibility is to be able to find ways to align people's personal mission with the mission of the ministry. And so what I call that is there's a book uh, by Liz. Her name is Liz Wiseman. It's called Multipliers. And she says there's two types of leaders. One is a diminisher. The diminisher keeps people down. The multiplier takes someone who's a five and turns them into a seven. Because in, in that context, the multiplier is able to get so much out of the individual. And I would say, if you're leading in any capacity, don't just don't just have your eyes fixed on the mission. Have your eyes fixed on the individuals, because you may be able to raise people up. You know, it's a little bit like I, I see it as uh, Nehemiah. So when you look at Nehemiah, it says when he built the wall, he built it in the month of Elul. The word Elul actually means the word preparation. And so, you, so you, you would think the wall's built, story's over, the movie's done, roll the credits. But it, but it doesn't end like that. What actually happens is now you start to see that God wasn't just interested in building a wall. He was interested in building a people. And he starts to talk to them about the joy of the Lord is a strength. And dealing with certain behaviors and sins and issues. And they they they, uh, they find the, the book of the law and you see, you know, that, that there's some weeping. And but there's all of this stuff that God is dealing with in the people that he utilized the wall to really build the people. He utilizes uh, uh, you know, uh, um, obstacles or utilizes challenges and projects to build people. And I would always say as you're, as you're, as a leader, as a new leader, just in the back of your mind, be asking, how can I invest in someone? How can I build someone through this? What can I do to make that person better? Because one day you're going to turn around your team is going to be amazing, but it's going to be amazing because you, you were sowing, you, were, you know, watering the little seed. And then you're going to see a team that's able to quickly and easily bear much fruit. 
All right. So coming back to alignment. All right. So um, there's a lot of people watching, listening that uh, aren't that senior leader, right? They're not the lead pastor. They're not that maybe they're a discipleship pastor, a youth pastor, a kids pastor, and they've got multiple services going on. Say like, just take a Wednesday night, for example, you know, there's kids ministry, youth ministry, there's uh, Bible quiz, you know, depending on what your denomination is, you've probably got some maybe fine arts things or just mm. different things around. So what would you say to those that, um, you know, aren't in the upper about uh, keeping in alignment, making sure that your ministry is in alignment, right? Because like when a church grows, the youth ministry has got to grow. When the church grows, kids ministry has got to grow. When the church grows, all of those ministries need to grow. So how do we grow and, and stay healthy, right? Because there's times where you go into a church and, you know, the youth ministry is huge and the church is not so big or the kids ministries. Yeah. It's like, you know, so how do we stay in healthy? How do we stay healthy as we grow? We stay in alignment. What encouragement mm-hmm. do you have to those that aren't the senior leadership that are, you know, kind of in that supportive role? Yeah, great, great question. So I was in that. Uh, situation as a discipleship pastor for many years. And I think there's a couple things. One is in this process, I've always got to make sure that I'm checking my heart, right? Because part of the alignment is a heart issue. So so when I'm frustrated over things or I find certain emotions rise up, then uh, I need to make sure I'm doing a heart check. You know, why am I, why am I frustrated? Why do I feel the way I feel? The second is, is that, um, the word credibility is so important. And so a lot of times we want, what we want is we want people to just listen to us because we've got something to say. But credibility, especially with the senior leaders, when they see that we've been faithful, that we're serving, we're you know showing up, that when they're asking us to be at a prayer meeting, we're the first ones there. You know, it creates credibility. Credibility gives you the right to speak, the right to influence. And so, you know, I would I would always try to look for opportunities. How can I make sure? And I, I used to say this to my wife all the time because we'd be she, she was on staff and we'd work and I'd ask questions that were challenging questions. And she say, man, what, why? Why are you asking those questions? And I said, well, I feel like my job is to make sure my senior pastor never has egg on his face. And so now when part of my job it wasn't on my job description, but when part of my job is to make sure that the senior leader has everything he needs, even if it means I'm going to ask some questions that might be uncomfortable, it might be, how are we going to do that? I get the big picture, I get the vision, you know, or how can I help you execute that? I know it has nothing to do with the youth ministry, it has nothing to do with my area, but how can I serve the mission of the church? Now, all of a sudden, we start to create this alignment, and we start to create credibility, and so now it gives us the opportunity to influence the senior pastor and, and develop relationship with those that are above us, because we care not just about our own area, but we care about the church. Because at the end, if we just care about our own area, that's a silo. That's just, you know, this is just my own little world. But yet there's this entire world outside of my specific world that I need to care about. I need to care about the success of the mission of the church. You know, every time the church wins, Jesus wins, the kingdom wins, not just when my one area wins. Yeah. And, and knowing that uh, a lot, like you said, I love that that illustration you just talked about with your son 
and making sure that his body's in alignment because when the head is off, it's going to bring sickness into the body because the immune mm -hmm. system is weak. And when you've got uh, a, you know, a rogue kids pastor or a rogue women's ministry leader, there's sickness that comes in because there's misalignment and there's, uh, it's not, it doesn't bring health to the whole family and the or whole organization. And so I love that. I love that example. So, um, Real quick, give us like the 10 second reminder of what we're going to go through in this boot camp starting next week, Monday, the 19th, for the next five days. High level, just real quick reminder of what you're going to go through over the next five days. Yeah. So, so next week, Monday, uh, the 26th, we're going to be starting day one. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, gaining clarity around your why, you know, your God, uh, the purpose that God has created your church. And then day two, we're going to talk a little bit about the ministry scoreboard, how to make decisions with confidence. Day number three, we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, talking just through, you know, how to stop doing ministry alone and building your core leadership team. Day four, we're going to talk about this all to the elder method, you know, the secret of creating highly committed volunteers and leaders. And then uh, day five, the, the six grave mistakes that stunts church growth and how you can avoid them. Okay, I gotta get at least one of those mistakes. Okay, you said there's six big mistakes. I gotta get at least one of those out of you before we before we wrap this up. Can you give me just one of those? Yeah. So so I think one of the big mistakes is that we have um, we have vision, but we don't necessarily have direction. Mm. And so and so as a as a pastor, we have a very clear picture of what the finish line looks like but we don't know what the steps are to get there. And unfortunately, what happens is, it's like having an address. So having a, you know, if I, if I have an address without, a, without ways, right? If I just have an address, but I don't have ways on my phone, or I don't have a GPS system, I don't have the steps that I need to actually get to the finish line. And a lot of times, senior pastors, when we communicate, we're communicating vision. You know, look at what we're gonna do. We're gonna climb the mountain, we're gonna, and everyone around us is saying, how are we going to do that? Who's going to pay for that? I'm not doing that. Do you know how many hours that's going to take? And so having vision without having direction, what that does is it creates frustration among the people because someone has to create, someone has to figure out the direction and the senior pastor necessarily, he sees the vision, he's excited about the vision, but he's missing the direction. And that's where we, we get a disconnect, you know, volunteers, they kind of they're trying to just figure out how do we do this on our own and a lot of times what happens is their execution and the vision that that the senior pastor had in mind just don't align and that's where you get frustration they're frustrated at the volunteers because they didn't do it the way you thought it should be done the volunteers frustrated at you because they're saying you didn't tell me what you wanted and then and then that's where we kind of have those moments of bumping heads all right so I just got it. I just got my nugget. All right. I got my nugget. Here's, here's my nugget from today. And it's worth the price of admission because the admission is free uh, already. <laughs> so you've already, I've already exceeded my expectation here. Okay. So let me, here's my, here's my takeaway here. Okay. So uh, let me see if I, if I can say it right. Vision without direction causes frustration. And so that to me uh, is a golden nugget that I'm going to walk away with for sure, because 
Oh man, as a, a Enneagram three, I'm a high visionary. I'm all about vision and uh, all those questions about how we're going to get there. Who's going to pay for this? How many times all those little steps are just absolutely frustrating to me. And so, um, but I love the fact that we've got to sit down and answer those questions so that all those other people can follow along. Like, you know, Habakkuk talks about it, right? Write mm -hmm. the vision, make it plain so that they can run with it. And so yeah. It's, yeah. it's hard work to take the vision and write it. And then the key is to make it plain, right? Oh gosh, so hard. Uh, that's the hard work, right? And so uh, I think it's Donald Miller talks about that, like clarity is hard work, mm -hmm. right? Or simplicity yeah. is hard work. You know, it's like to make your vision simple is really hard. Yeah. Um, and so uh, last thoughts, last word of encouragement for us as we wrap up here. Yeah. So I think, I think the, the last thing I, I kind of just say is as challenging as the seasons are, I'm, I'm so excited to see where God brings the church. But in order to get to that place, you know, what you need is you need pastors who are willing to take a little bit of a risk of uh, doing things that maybe a little bit differently, making some adjustments, um, because at the end of the day, there are people who are hurting, they're crying, they're, they're broken in their situation, you know, and you, you've got the answer. I mean, what, what you are communicating is the hope that people need. And so more than ever before, we've got to communicate it with clarity. We've got to make sure that people hear, that people understand that at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to bring peace and going to bring uh, that sense of relief in this season is going to be a relationship with Jesus. And that and that's that's what we're in. We're, we're, we're in this place where we're able to communicate that and able to bring hope. And so because of that, because people are hurting, because people are broken, we need to do everything we can to make our churches as excellent and as uh, relevant and as strong and firm as possible in this season. Uh, so I'm excited about the opportunity because it's not easy. But, man, when we look back, this could be one of those pivotal moments that really transformed the direction of the church and elevated, leveled up the church. Well, guys, get signed up. Get signed up. The the uh, information renewedleadership.org slash five hundred. That's the numbers five zero zero. Go get there. Signed up. It's free. Five days of a free content that's going to really unpack yourself. So, uh, one last question: What is a way? Uh, what can they expect? Is it uh, an hour each day? A couple of hours each day? Should they? bring anything to, to kind of be prepared, obviously notes, pen, all that kind of stuff. But what's, what, how should they kind of best prepare themselves to get the most out of, out of the days? Yeah. I, um, so what we recommend is that you uh, kind of clear the hour. So from, it'll start at two o'clock Eastern and clear the hour for the week. Let, let your team know, um, Hey, let, let family know, Hey, you know, from two to three, the next five days, we're, we're focused on growing ourselves, growing as leaders so we can grow the church. Invite all of your uh, key leaders, you know, anyone you want to make sure it's online in alignment with you, man, and invite them. And let's let's go through this together. Bring your pen, bring your pad, and, and bring a hunger to just grow and, and, and an excitement to see where God is, God's going to take your church. 
Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, guys. I want to encourage you. So let's just get signed up. Uh, it's going to be a powerful five days of content and community and connection. And so it's going to be really powerful stuff. I've, I've seen some of the handouts. I've seen some of the, the notes that are, that are there, outlines, all that kind of stuff. And so great, great stuff coming your way. Get signed up, renewedleadership.org slash 500. Thank you so much for being with us and look forward yes, to seeing you guys too. Thanks so much. Bye.